podcast one production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. This is a Health Hacker special episode, Hacking the Hackers. From time to time, we want to speak to inspiring people and find out how they've hacked their lives and then pass this knowledge on to you. In this episode, we speak to psychologist Dr. Tim Sharp, also known as Dr. Happy. Dr. Happy is the founder of the Happiness Institute, where he researches the field of positive psychology. He's written books, he hosts podcasts, and he's given lots of talks all on how to mentally hack our lives into happiness. So let's learn how he does it, Adam. Yeah, very excited. You know, we've had a lot of people requesting... um us to take a deeper dive into the most important thing in life and that is what we're all searching for is happiness and there's no better person that we could connect with than Dr. Happy himself. How did you get the name Dr. Happy? Uh, well, I didn't come up with myself actually. It was a, um, it was, it started off as a joke, I, I must admit. as a guy I used to do a lot of work with years ago. Uh, when I was first getting into the field of, of positive psychology, my background was in clinical psychology and we used to, uh, we used to do workshops and, and deliver keynotes together and anyway, he, he just started, um, he signed off an email one day just saying, see you Dr. Happy. And I've spoken to him since and he didn't really, really give it much thought and, and I didn't give it that much thought at the time because I, I thought, I was quite reluctant to accept it. I thought, you know, I was, I was well established at the time. I had a good reputation. I thought people wouldn't take me seriously if I walked around with Dr. Happy. But uh, but I learned pretty quickly, <laughs> I suppose, because we used to joke about it. Uh, Andrew is his name. And um, I learned pretty quickly that I could sort of, I could create a character around it and use it use it for good, I suppose. And so that's what I eventually did. I sort of created a brand whereby Dr. Happy's sort of separate to me. Dr. Tim Sharp's kind of a different person to Dr. Happy. It's kind of like my yep. stage name. And, uh, <laughs> and it serves a really useful purpose now. What is happiness in your definition? Uh, well, look, I think that's it. It's, it's the biggest question people often ask, um, but it's a lot harder to answer than most people realise. So I'll give you the mm. simplified version, but it is quite complex and it would differ for different people. So the simple, ver- simple answer is that there's two ways to understand happiness. The first way is the way most people probably understand it, which is one form of positive emotion. So it's a feeling along with joy and contentment and satisfaction and pride. And uh, we've all experienced that. We all know what happiness is. But that's that's not really what positive psychology, the science, is, is about. Well, it's only part of what positive psychology is about. So in addition, when I talk about happiness, what I'm really talking about is what positive psychologists call thriving and flourishing or living our best possible lives. And that includes positive emotions. I mean, they're important, but it also includes engaging fully with life. It it involves relationships. That's vitally important. It's it's about meaning and purpose, and it's about accomplishing something. So all of those things together is what we should really be trying to do. And the positive emotion bit is just one part of that. Yeah, that's fascinating. You you touched upon it there. There was no mention of materialism, Mm -hmm. which really makes me uh, wonder, is this why we're also bloody well miserable, despite the fact we've got more materialistic wealth than ever. We're not also miserable. I think that's important to state. Um, it, do, it does get lost in the, you know, there's a lot of statistics and a lot of talk lately, you know, in recent years about the rise in mental ill health. And, and that's really important. Yeah. That's a passion of mine. And I'm sure we'll come back to that later. But but I guess it is important to say, look, not everyone's depressed. Not everyone's miserable. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of people, you know, live great lives. However, you're 100% right. We, we know for a fact, um, we know from the research and, you know, truth be told, I think most of us know from personal experience that material possessions play a very, very tiny part of it. Look, 
they're, they're not unimportant. You know, it's nice to get something new. It's, you know, whether it's a you know, piece of clothing or a gadget or whatever, you know, we, we like that and it's kind of cool, but it doesn't last long and it doesn't go deep. It's not really what about, you know, a fulfilling life is all about. You know? So, you know, an example that most of us have experienced, even if you do earn more money, you get a salary increase or whatever, that's kind of cool for a few weeks, but literally within a month for most people, they've forgotten about the increased money. They just start to spend more. It comes back to that thing like, I'll be happy when, the tyranny of when. So, you know, mm. you'll be happy when you're in a relationship. Uh, you'll be happy when you change jobs. You'll be happy when anything else happens. If you're not happy now, none of those other things will necessarily make it. Well, most of the time, you know, there are, uh, I guess if you're in a very unhappy marriage or if it's a, an abusive relationship, leaving that might make a you know, But outside a of the extreme examples, yeah. it's... More yeah. often, that, so anyone that's suggesting happiness is somewhere out there for you to go and get... I'd say that's a bit of a myth. If happiness is anywhere, and I don't even know if it can be located, but if it is anywhere, <laughs> it's within. It's something and it's about our choices. It's about our thoughts and attitudes. It's about how we decide to interact with other people. So even, you know, even within our relationships, that's where we'll, that's the only place we'll ever really find it. And can I ask, it's probably a myth in itself, isn't it? Everyone expects to be happy all the time, but are you always happy? Uh, look, definitely not. Um, and I'll, I'll answer that in a couple of ways. I, I get asked that a lot because, and I often start my keynotes um, by busting the myth of Dr. Happy. Um, you know, I get yeah. invited to speak in all sorts of contexts as Dr. Happy, the Chief Happiness Officer of the Happiness Institute. And I think people are often pretty disappointed when they meet me because I'm, I'm, I don't bounce around wearing a bright orange suit. Um, but, it, but it is, and I, so I do actually joke a bit about it to make a point. But then I make a very important point because this is one of the greatest, uh, you know, the myth that we can be happy all the time is one of the most damaging things to our happiness uh, it's totally unrealistic and if you in fact if you think about it if you imagine a person that was happy every minute of every day that's pretty freaking weird mm. really that, that would be <laughs> that would almost be a sign of a different form of mental ill health so what, what we've historically called negative emotions things like sadness frustration anger anxiety these are normal human emotions we need them it's a part of being a normal person so professionally i talk a lot about that but personally in the last few years, I've also spoken quite a bit about I've struggled with depression for most of my adult life, uh, on and off. Um, and I didn't talk about that for many, many years. One, because I didn't understand it. Two, because of the stigma. And well, and there's various other reasons. But I've, uh, in recent years, like many other people, um, felt that it's actually really important for me, for me as much as anyone really, to talk about that. Because I, um, I think if, if people can come out and talk more about it, if we can bust the stigma, there's, there's no reason we should be embarrassed about experiencing depression or anxiety just like we shouldn't be embarrassed about having diabetes or you know chronic heart disease or a broken leg you know no one's embarrassed about having appendicitis and going to the doctor why should i be embarrassed about having depression um, and requiring help sometimes Um, but we have been embarrassed about it which creates this stigma which means people don't get help which means more people are suffering than they need to so uh, so the simple answer is no i'm not happy all the time but uh, thankfully um i've learned very successful ways that I manage it. And so more often than not, the worst of my depression was in my earlier adulthood. Um, and thankfully, more often than not, um, I do live a very a very good life. Well, that's really fascinating, actually. And, you know, hats off to you for that, because that just shows why you're so good at what you do. Because I always say that uh, knowledge is knowing, but wisdom is doing. And that's the people I respect in any industry, the people that have rolled their sleeves up and got involved and actually gone out and applied their craft, and you've just said it. As human beings, we experience different emotions, and you know, you've been able to overcome negative emotions and, and feelings of um, mental health and, and depression, and being able to then tool yourself up and then share them experiences with other people. 
Thank you. If there was one thing that you could recommend somebody do today to become more happy, what would that be? Oh, I hate it. Okay, I'll say one thing. Uh, but, uh, no, the, give us three then. Okay, I'll give you a couple. Well, the reason I don't like it is, and this is important actually, because different things will work for different people. And yeah. I think that really is important. There's, there's no one secret to happiness. Or, or even yeah. if there were... The secret that works for me, you know, be a different secret for you, Adam, and a different one for, for Alex and a different one for Ola. So some of the big ones are um, the practice of mindfulness. Um, you know, meditating on a regular basis, being mindful has certainly been really, really helpful for me. Um, the practice of gratitude and appreciation, being uh, thankful for what we have, focusing more on what we have and less on what we don't have. Uh, exercise, um, spending time with good people. Um, you know, they're probably the the big ones and there's, there's others as well. But, uh, um, you know, if we can find, uh, one or two of those things that work for us, um, you know, happiness is very much achievable. The, the relationship, the connection, mm. I think is key. Our relationships with people is really what drives a lot of our happiness, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. And we, um, uh, you know, uh, thank you to Adam for coming on my podcast uh, that we recorded not long ago. And, um, and we touched on it there that the research, um, you know, if, if, if you look at the research over the last 20, 30 probably 40 or 50 years, uh, not just in happiness, but health and well-being, longevity, pretty much across every area of life, um, if there were one strong finding about the most important factor, it would almost certainly be the quality of our relationships, our connectedness, or uh, as Adam touched on in our podcast, actually loving and being loved. So, um, you know, it sounds a bit sort of simple, um, but it's it's uh, massively important. Happiness is not just about me, me, me. And I guess this is one of the other myths. It's not about hedonism. It's not about selfishness or narcissism. It's very much about uh, the other people in our lives and thinking about them, caring for them, being compassionate and doing what we can for them. Uh, also, in your series, Be a Man, this is a lot of what you touch on, which will be on podcast one, is uh, about busting these myths about what it is to be a man and being compassionate and being mindful and being uh, vulnerable. On top of all that, though, practical measures have to go into place. So do you have a strict daily routine or are you a bit more free? Uh, well, a bit of both. I, I, have a, I guess I have my ideal routine, which I stick to as often as I can. But because my work's a little bit unpredictable and it varies, I can't do it all the time. And that's important. It's important to be flexible and it's important to be spontaneous at times as well. But yeah, in, you know, in my ideal world, I would start my day and I often start my day uh, with meditation. Um, literally the first thing I do when I wake up is 10 to 15 minutes of mindfulness meditation. Um, ideally, I like to, my preference for exercising is, is early in the morning. So ideally, I'll get to the gym um, as soon as possible. Again, it varies a little bit depending on what I've got on. Um, and then, um, you know, making time for my family, um, making time, not necessarily every day, but, but ideally, hopefully on a weekly basis for friends, trying to catch up with friends, which, you know, it gets a bit difficult when you, as you get older and you've got kids and work and all those sorts things so I must admit you know I've got to actively work on that I actively yeah. schedule it in but it's worth it um, and you know somewhere in between there I'll, I might try and get a bit of work done <laughs> <laughs> speaking of speaking of routines and, and and obviously practices meditation a lot of people struggle with meditation any tips for people out there trying to get into meditation yeah, you mentioned mindful meditation does that differ from other types of meditation if so where's the best place to learn about that yeah no that's a good point um, because there are lots of different types of um, relaxation strategies forms of mindfulness types of meditation and again um at the risk of repeating myself, there's there's not one perfect way. Um, so what I often mm -hmm. re recommend to people is to to try a couple of versions because there are different versions and find out what works for you. But you know, so relaxation is just re literally about trying to relax your mind and your body. Uh, meditation is about 
meditating upon something. Now, it could be about feeling calm, but it could be, um, I mean, prayer is a form of meditation. Or And then mindfulness is actually a little bit different. Again, mindfulness is about paying attention. So that's not always relaxing, um, not always calming, but often it has that effect. So it depends what your goal is um, and different things, as I said, will work for different people. Uh, these days, there's a whole bunch of free apps um, which is fantastic. So uh, mm. I guess here in Australia, the most popular ones would be Headspace or Smiling Mind. Uh, there's other ones called Calm. So just, you know, if you go to the App Store or, or whatever the Google Play equivalent is, you know, look it up. Um, you know, the myths are that you will just instantly feel like a, you know, a, a, a Buddha overnight. Or no, that you, medit- meditating um, hard. It, it's difficult. Oh, it is. And, but that's yeah. part of the process. So part mm. of the process is accepting some days will be really difficult. So like, I've been doing this for a long time now. Some days within a few minutes, I will literally feel, this might sound a bit weird, but this amazing feeling of bliss and calmness, an amazing feeling of contentment, which is just, you know, which is really fantastic. Other days, it'll be crap. And for the whole time, my mind will be racing and buzzing. I can't concentrate for more than two or three seconds at a time. Uh, But that's part of the process. And part of mindfulness is, is accepting that, you know, there's good and bad days. There's days when you can focus, there's days when you can't. It's not about necessarily achieving some sort of state of nirvana. It's just about doing it on a regular basis. And the more you do it on a regular basis, the more of those better days you will have. The Headspace app I saw um, gave me a really good example when I was using it, which was um, your thoughts are like traffic. If you're standing in front of the traffic and you try and go out there and stop the traffic, you're never going to stop it. You're just going to get hit by the car. So sometimes you have to just sit there and watch all exactly. the traffic go by. Sometimes you can be cool with or sometimes it'll stress you out, but you can't stop mm. the traffic, so you have to let it just whiz past in front of you. Definitely. There's, look, there's some great metaphors. or another, So the, another one is about, um, you know, if you're out in the surf, mm. uh, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to ride the waves. Um, and oh, I, I like, like that one. Yeah, well, that. I like that. that. That's particularly yeah. when it comes <laughs> let's to... Go, let's go with that one. That one's much better. <laughs> let's go See, this is why like he's one. Dr. Happy, man, dog. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's particularly when it comes to, like, negative emotions. I think we often try to repress them or deny them or push them away, but, but we can't. They just push back. Um, but we can learn to ride those waves of anger or frustration. And by doing that, by... By not fighting them, uh, they tend to subside much more quickly. This is Hacking the Hackers. And after the break, we're going to ask Dr. Tim Sharp, what's the one book he'd give to someone as a gift? The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. If you were going to gift a book to someone, what book would that be? Oh, my gosh, I don't know where to what's start. What's one that makes you feel happy? Uh, well, it might sound a bit weird, but... Good, There's, I like it already. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've, never, I've never forgotten. Um, I remember when the kids were little and, and you know, reading, uh, I think you've got kids, Adam, and you know, reading some of those yeah. kids' books as a, as a parent. And yeah. it's quite a, you know, it's an interesting exercise. And, and I remember sometimes thinking, I'm getting more out of this book than my child. And there was one book particularly, which I've never, we, we've still kept it actually, even though the, the kids have grown up. It's still on our bookshelf in our bedroom. And every, you know, maybe once a year or so, I'll still pull it out. And it was a book called Ish. I-S-H, I don't know if you've heard it, but an American nice. author and cartoonist called Peter Reynolds. And it was just beautiful. Yeah. Like you read it in three minutes or five minutes or something. Um, and it is a kid's book, but I reckon a lot of adults would get something out of it as well. Cause, and particularly for me. So the idea behind Ish is that we, you know, it's very hard. Well, this little kid's trying to draw something and um, he tries to draw a vase and he's brother turns around and teases him and says, that's not a vase. Long story short is he said, well, it's vase-ish. And, then he, and it's kind of this anti-perfectionism 
book. And it's about, you know, things don't have to be perfect to be beautiful. In fact, there's a lot of beauty in imperfection. And for me, particularly as someone who struggles a bit with perfectionism, um, <laughs> it was just a massive eye-opener. And I still think about it sometimes, this this idea of ish. So there you go. That's It's not necessarily a, an academic text or a self-help book. It's really coming back to the, the art of positive psychology, isn't it? You know, it's about focusing on the positive. Oh, definitely. And again, there's, you know, there's so many positives. Um, well, Positives don't necessarily equate to perfection. In fact, perfectionism mm. can be quite damaging to our happiness, as, as I know quite well, and a lot of people out there yeah. would know, um, because virtually nothing in life is perfect. You know, the, mm. Virtually nothing. And even, as you know, you know, the greatest footballers weren't perfect. They still made mistakes. No. The greatest athletes make mistakes. Not everyone wins every race. And um, you know, even us mortals, we'll, we'll stuff up, we'll make mistakes. And part of happiness is is embracing those imperfections and that being, being vulnerable enough to know that I can still be good despite um despite not being perfect so doctor i've got two young kids i've got a one-year-old daughter and a three-year-old daughter um and i obviously am very conscious of setting a great example for them how do i set a great example about being happy to my kids how do i make a happy kid yeah, well, firstly, uh, as a parent and as a parent of two teenagers, I'll, I'll preface it by saying it's it's not always easy. It's you know it is, and I think that's important. It is hard at times. It's challenging at times. We have competing interests. There's stresses, and kids go through difficult stages, etc. But I think you've actually already answered the question within your question, and that's by setting the example. The most important thing, without a doubt, that we can do as parents is to live the life, to do the things and live the life that we want our kids to live. So, And what that also means is don't be inconsistent. So, you know, the parent that's sitting in front of the TV, scrolling through their smartphone saying, get off your device to the kid, uh, <laughs> or who's, you know, squeaking back a beer, watching television saying, go out and do some exercise, you know, kids will learn more from what they watch, what they observe, than mm. from what you say. So, so whatever you do, um, that's the most important message you send. So, for example, you know, that's why, um, I mean, not every single day, but I, I make a point of, of letting my kids know that I go to the gym regularly. And it's not, not about showing off or trying to get them to do it, but, and, and, you know, my wife and I make a point to eat healthily. So, you know, setting the example, doing, and it also comes to managing our emotions as well, which means that I don't mind that much if my kids see me getting upset or frustrated or angry because that's life and that's who I am and I'm not perfect. But what I also want them to see is how I then deal with that um, and that where necessary, I'll apologize and that where necessary, I'll make up for it or remedy the situation. And similarly, when I make mistakes, I mean, I've, again, you know, particularly in recent years, I've talked to both my kids uh, about my depression and about some of my struggles. But what I've also talked to them about is how I manage that. Um, because I, I don't know if my kids are going to suffer depression. Thankfully, so far, they've been okay, but they will experience some problems. They're going to experience some adversity. And my job is I can't, I can't protect them from all that. So, you know, as a father, or as a parent, we can't stop our kids from getting into trouble all the time. We can't protect them from everything. What we can do is equip them with the skills so that if or when that happens, they can bounce back, they can pull themselves up. So, um, so that's what I think we need, to, we need to be good role models as often as possible, which again, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But even mm. when we're imperfect, we can be a good role model and show them how to fix that or remedy it or resolve it as best we can. So should we teach our kids the skills of meditation and mindfulness and breathing and, and things like that? 
Definitely. I reckon we should teach them just like we should teach our kids. Um, you know, it's never too young to get them started exercising. It's never too young to get them mm. on a healthy diet. Well, it's never too young to get their sleep patterns right. It's never too, you know, it's never too early to start with meditation or mindfulness uh, or any of the things that we've spoken about. Um, I was, um, you know, I was talking to someone recently who's got four kids and he, every single night, he meditates with them all. Uh, now, that's a lot better than I've done with my kids. But that was, that was fantastic. And he reckons, and it's also, see, for, it was what he was also saying is it wasn't just about the meditation it was a real bonding exercise a real connection between you know father and children um so yeah definitely teach them anything that you think is going to be helpful in your life it's probably going to be helpful in their lives as well so why not teach them as soon as we can well i teach my kids a game it's called the gratitude game and uh, Mm -hmm. we play it every single night before we go to sleep and i ask my kids what they were grateful for and whilst only one and three they probably don't get it yet i'm trying to condition that muscle in their head to really focus on the things that they're grateful for because we know in how important being grateful is um, for our health. That's a really nice, simple one that we can do again with, even with young kids, but it's something that will put them in a fantastic position, um, you know, through their, late through their childhood and even on into their adulthood. It's, um, you know, gratitude and appreciation is something we should all use in some way or other every day. Remember the movie Die Love Hard? It. And in Die Hard... Oh, a long time ago. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> and then Die Hard, yeah. he, he does this thing to relax. He said someone on the aeroplane told him that when you get to the hotel room, take off your shoes and make little fists with your toes and it helps you relax. And <laughs> I think about that because that's quite a quirky habit that sometimes people have to help them relax. Now, we already know that the book was a left of centre option for you with the Ish book. Do you have a quirky habit that makes you become mindful happiness that you adopt in your daily routine that you might not have thought to share? Uh um, it's not necessarily that quirky, but I, um, I so the, the form of meditation that I've developed, so I guess to be honest, my, the form of meditation or mindfulness that I use now is a bit of a hybrid. It's a, I've uh, tried different techniques and I've pulled the bits and pieces mm. that work for me. Um, and one of the, I suppose that, it, again, it's not that quirky, but the image that I often have in mind, I've got a, a very clear image and, and I'm actually not a very visual thinker, I'm more of a word thinker, but this, for me, this is super clear and I can picture it almost exactly the same every time and I, I probably saw a picture of it somewhere but I can't remember where. Anyway, it's a it's it's kind of a um, like a mountain setting um, with a, a tree and not really desert but not much foliage in between so it's, the tree's kind of standing on its own and I so I can picture these that the mountains in the background kind of picture strength and the tree is about strength because it also has roots that for me represent my priorities so then you know my roots are like family and friends and health and well-being but sometimes i'll picture that tree within a storm and the storm for me is is stress and worry and anxiety and negative emotions but the tree still stands strong it bends a bit when it needs to um and i think that's important so part of strength and uh, strength and resilience is is knowing when to bend and um you know being flexible but the because of the roots, because of the grounding it has, it can withstand the storm. So again, I don't know if it's necessarily quirky, but that's the image, I suppose, that I develop. And I, so that's what I try to focus on when I'm uh, meditating a lot of the time. And that's, a, I guess, a visual representation of what I want to try and achieve, having that strength and flexibility at the same time. I love that. That's awesome. Love it. Mate, just finally to wrap up today, um, if today was your last day on the planet, what would be the free truths that you've learned over the course of your life that you'd like to leave as a gift? Uh, well, one, um, by a long, long way, love and be loved. Um, 
you know, as a parent, I try as best I can. You know, and it's hard sometimes, but you know, no matter what my kids are doing, uh, to love and be loved. You, you can't, you can never over love someone. Um, and my wife, and so so that's the first one: love and be loved. And and it also, that also means accepting love back. And that's something I struggled with at times. Uh, I think a lot of us do is, uh, um, you know, not feeling like we deserve the love of others or whatever. But so number one uh, is love. Number two would be um, uh, to do good where you can. Uh, and partly, you know, again, I'm in a, I live a fairly privileged life, so I'm lucky enough to be able to do what I can. But um, doing good for others is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. Um, and particularly, again, as someone that's sort of suffered depression on and off, one of the best things that makes me feel happy in a really deep and meaningful way is knowing that I'm contributing to something beyond myself. It's about being a good person. You know, if we can imagine a world where everyone treated everyone else with respect um, mm. uh, and with love Very and kindness, cool. that, that would be, um, uh, I guess that would be a bit of a dream. Um, so love and love and be loved, uh, do good. And um, I suppose the third one, which might sound a bit more superficial compared to the others, is, is to have fun. Um, I certainly know there are times in my life when I, I take myself way too seriously. And I think some of us do take life too seriously. And, and life is important and it is, it is serious at times. But I think we'll, we'll do a better job of doing what we want or need to do in the world if we have a bit of um, playfulness and fun in there as well. You can catch Dr. Tim's podcast called Be A Man right here on the Podcast One Network. I've learned a lot. Just want to acknowledge Dr. Tim um, for the great work he's doing going out there and obviously helping people live their best possible lives. Thank you so much, mate. Thanks for having me. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Produced and edited by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.